Was the reformer Martin Luther innovating or in error when he added the word alone to Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith alone apart from works of the law? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. Journal. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Donna Harrison details her journey to confessional Lutheranism from Catholicism, Scientism, Mysticism, and Evangelicalism. The free online Issues Etc. Journal. Just click the red Journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. I think what we see emerging is essentially new forms of secular orthodoxy forming and we can really view these modern day hate speech cases as an equivalent really of the blasphemy cases of old. Getting your kids counter-programmed to have their social life family and community focused, this is generally what the research suggests is useful for a successful transmission of values across generations. The Lord does not set us to look for escape from trouble. He sends his church right into the midst of trouble. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. We're not taught to look for an escape from trouble, but to confess Christ and let come what may. Lord, thank you that I belong to a we. I am baptized into your church so that that even if I feel alone, I can pray the first word of the prayer Jesus gives me and know that I'm not alone. I belong to your church, Lord. This is Will from Michigan, and I'm a Lutheran high school teacher and football coach. And I love beginning my day listening to Issues Etc. All right, guys, let's go. Here is a subject that we have not dealt with in a long time. Near-death experiences. It's a subject raised by one of our listeners via email. Also, a little feedback on our audio books. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. It's listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line to kick things off. We'll spend some time teaching a Sunday school lesson with Pastor Tom Baker, David, and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. Then it's part two of our series, Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. Dr. Andrew Steinman, co-author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for September, The Messianic Message, Predictions, Patterns, and the Presence of Jesus in the Old Testament. In the meantime, it's time for listener email. Our email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. And the Issues Etc. comment line, 618-223-8382. Let's begin with Lisa. I'm a faithful listener and listen to nearly every podcast on issues, etc. However, I won't be listening to the objections overruled audiobook ones, and it's not because of the content. My friendly recommendation is that you change the computerized reading voice. Unfortunately, it's too much of a monotone for me to maintain focus on the content. Perhaps others feel the same. Anyway, I think Issues Etc. is wonderful and has been a blessing to me. Thanks for all you do, and thank you for listening, Lisa. Well, Lisa, it is not a computerized voice. It's a human voice. It's the voice of a very highly rated voice actor, Bob Sauer. He's done, I think, close to 300 audiobooks, and that's with Audible alone. And he's been very generous with us, worked with us on those uh, Objections Overruled books, one and two. And I think he comes with a... Out of a five-point scale, I think it's either a 4.7 or 4.8 rating there at Audible, which is not easy to get. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, a lot, and I'm embarrassed to even see what the total would probably be over the years. 
And listening to an audiobook is different than listening to this show. So it's, it's not going to be as conversational if it's nonfiction, and that's what our books are. They're nonfiction. So it's going to be a little, maybe a little jarring to go from listening to guests speaking in a conversational way to a professional voice actor reading our the chapters of our book. So I would just say stick with it. We chose a very, very good, talented guy who's done books way bigger than our books. What is it? The biography of Michael Mike, Jordan. Michael Jordan. Does all of Victor Davis Hanson's history audiobooks. And he's done uh, books spanning you know, technical books. So he's a highly acclaimed voice actor and we're happy to have him. So stick with it. I was looking at his bio and he's won at least three audiophile awards. And this is an award given by Audiophile to truly exceptional titles that excel in narrative voice and style, characterization, suitability to audio, and enhancement of the text. And he's won that award at least three times. So stick with it. You'll get used to it. This comes from Kaylin. I'm wondering what is our Lutheran perspective on near-death experiences and if you could cover it in an episode or a series. I have listened to several of your episodes about popular claims to have gone to heaven, which have been informative in thinking about the topic, but I'm really thinking less about the best-selling NDE and more about the average person who sees something while close to death. These stories are common, and they have happened in my own family. One family member almost died after a heart attack. He was told to go back and lived another few years. My pastor says that near-death experiences aren't exclusive to Christianity, and that the visions experienced differ by culture. Hindus might see Vishtu, atheists see a tunnel with a bright light, etc. Years ago, I was fascinated by these experiences, but have since moved on to anchoring any hope of life after death firmly in God's word. However, an evangelical Lutheran church in America family member has been reading Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Heaven, which dives into NDEs and is highly recommending it. I am wary about reading it, and if I do, I'd like to know how to approach my reading. Should near-death experiences be ignored entirely? How do we view stories of loved ones who have seen something while near death? Is it wrong to be encouraged by these stories? What if we see something while near death? Do we mistrust what we see? Thanks for the great email. Thanks for listening. Kalen. I am not familiar with Strobel's book in that respect, so I'm not going to speak to it. Lee Strobel's a, a decent Christian author, and I don't think he's going to recommend that you put any credence in what people experience in what is called the near-death experience. Near-death is not a medical term. In medicine, my understanding of over the years of talking to experts in this is there's dead, and then there's alive, and there's really no in-between. So... I think there are medical explanations or at least hypotheses about what people may experience when they are starved for oxygen or something like that, depending on what kind of malady they're experiencing. And I don't have enough knowledge to say those sound plausible to me. I'll take the expert's opinion under advisement. But you're right to do this, and that is, to ground your knowledge and your hope only in God's Word, only in Holy Scripture. What someone experiences on the operating table or after drowning or a heart attack, what they experience there 
is not to be depended upon. What you experience is what you experience. Oh, I saw a bright light. I was moving down a tunnel. I'm not going to argue with you that you didn't see that, that you didn't experience that somehow. I'm certain that you did, or you, that's what you remember experiencing. But it doesn't tell us anything, and it can't tell us anything. And it certainly cannot be put either against or somehow alongside God's word as the certain and sure ground of knowledge and of hope. So what does scripture tell us? It's appointed for a man to die once, and then comes the judgment. So people don't die more than once. Whatever they're experiencing there, while it might have its medical explanation, its psychological explanation, whatever it is, may either be true or false, but we cannot tell, and so we say we can draw no conclusions from that experience. Now, the fact that people experience differently across cultures would tell me, the, the kind of the layperson in terms of the medicine, would tell me that what we're seeing there is more akin to a dream than to anything else. So, would I expect Hindus to dream Hindu things at night? Yes. That's the culture they live in. Do I expect them to dream about watching Michael Jordan play basketball? No. Would I expect them to dream about watching their favorite soccer team play? Yes. So my guess is that these things are more akin to dreams. And therefore, since God has not promised to speak through those experiences, while he can and has in the past spoken through dreams... The only ones that we can absolutely say God said in this dream are the ones where God said in the dream in Holy Scripture. So again, we come back to the sure and certain foundation of God's word as the only basis for our knowledge of what happens at death and our hope of what happens at death. Do you remember, I think it was the 90s when these were all the rage. You had Betty Eadie's Embraced by the Light. We used to do lots of shows on NDEs. And who would we talk to for those? I don't don't know. A lot of Christian apologists have written on the subject, and we've had medical people on. I'd have to go back. It's been years and years since we've we've done this conversation. And it it, it was a fad. And then there was a fad in Christian circles in the 90s and the early 2000s of people claiming that they went to heaven. They kind of took it one step farther, and they said, I didn't just have some sort of unexplainable near-death experience. I died, I went to heaven, and I saw Jesus. Now, who was it who recently said, compare all of the accounts, these books that many of them have later either been admitted to or have been shown to be fraudulent, compare the accounts, and they don't agree. Now, you would think if someone went to heaven and another person was taken to heaven and then came back, their accounts would agree. But they don't. So, There is only one person in Scripture who claims to have had a heavenly vision, apart from the Old Testament prophets and the Apostle John, a heavenly vision. That's the Apostle Paul. And he says, I was caught up into third heaven. I don't know how it happened. I don't know if I was on my body or if I wasn't in my body. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. And all he says is, I heard things there that I'm not permitted to utter. So someone comes back claiming to go into heaven and saying, I'm going to tell you all about it. They're probably lying. Wise words of wisdom, no surprise from St. Paul. 
Robert writes, in the segment on August 4th with attorney and Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Convention Delegate Mark Stern, he mentioned residential formation for future pastors, and he stated that it is the, quote, gold standard, end quote. What is residential formation? He's talking there about a man actually going to the seminary, going to classes, physically appearing in classes at the seminary. The, wor- the word formation is just kind of our, t- our term for pastoral training. And we use that word formation because it's more than just learning things and it's more than just training with certain skills. You're actually forming a man to be suitable for the pastoral office. And that happens in many and various ways on campus. And it can't really happen long distance. And the reason that Mark Stern was talking about pastoral formation as a gold standard is because our church body, the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate, has been flirting for, oh my gosh, it is my entire pastoral career, 30 plus years, has been flirting with alternate routes to the pastoral ministry. And surprise, surprise, the alternate routes all pretty much look the same. They don't go to seminary. They take a few classes. And when I say a few classes, I mean a few classes. Took me four years. Three years of very intense classes and then sandwiched around a one year, a full year of internship at a congregation as a vicar. And that is the gold standard for pastoral formation. Gives an opportunity for the people that we've called to teach our future pastors, the seminary staff and faculty, to really get to know a guy, to see what he is made of, and then to gently do that formation. And if you try and do this long distance, can you get the same knowledge via online class? Sure you can. But what these alternate routes have largely proven to be I don't know that they were intended to be this, but what they've proven to be is not just a way for a guy to become a pastor without going to the seminary, really, taking just a few classes. They've proven to be a rife for abuse by congregations, not little congregations who need a pastor, but large congregations who want to be their own seminary. They don't want a man trained from the seminary. They want to train them themselves and That's what it's turned out to be, which is why the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has backed away from those alternate routes largely and are trying to find a way for people who genuinely can't make it all the time to the seminary to go ahead and do that. So that's the explanation for Mark Stern's gold standard of pastoral formation comment. We'll be right back with more listener email and the issues, etc. comment line. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we are rolling right along in our adventures in Acts with Sons of Sceva, Demetrius' beef with Paul, riot in Ephesus, an appeal for order, Paul in Macedonia and Greece. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
This fallen creation is bested by tornado, hurricane, flood, pandemic, and more. LCMS Disaster Response helps our congregations, their pastors, and other church workers to reach out to their members and neighbors with mercy, which flows from Christ to altar. We offer quality volunteer training, help for congregational readiness and response, and disaster grant funding. To learn more, visit lcms.org disaster. That's lcms.org disaster. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press's award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press. Saving Western Civilization, one student at a time. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're going to listen to our email on the Issues Etc. comment line. In about 15 minutes, Pastor Tom Baker will join us to teach a Sunday school lesson. Today, David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. Here's a question from Joe. Did you guys know a Lutheran Church from Missouri Synod pastor is one of the 19 on President Trump's indictment? Surely this is worth covering. I was aware of this. I think I've seen some social media about it. I've seen a mugshot, and I've seen ring doorbell footage that I think is connected to the case. I don't know what the pastor is being charged with, and I don't know his status with his congregation. He's, he's still there. I'm reading from Christianity Today. This is August 29th. Pastor and Trump indictment released after supporters cover his bail. Illinois Pastor Stephen Lee was back in church on Sunday, thanks in parts to fundraising help from a Christian advocacy group. So back in church. But back I don't know church. what charges he's facing. I'm not sure. I know it's related to an election worker in Georgia. And, and maybe claiming some kind of harassment. That's what it looked like to me. That was kind of the picture I was putting together. But I really have no knowledge of it. I don't know who we would talk to. Well, we could try, but I, I would think his attorneys are. Yeah, he's not going to. His, his attorneys are not going to let him talk to us, especially when he's under indictment. But I have to wait and see how that one comes out because that may be one that's better treated in retrospect once the, the case has run its course. Bill, will you please explain the issues, et cetera, logo? I believe that at least partially I get the microphone and cross shadow, i.e. the microphone you use is for the purpose of bringing Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins to all listeners. Is there a meaning to the red and black lettering? Regardless, it's outstanding, and I'd love a quality ball cap with the issues, et cetera, logo. 
Okay, that's been our logo since we went independent after being fired by our former employer, the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. We had a logo before that, but it was kind of a cross starburst thing. And that's where the colors came from because the colors were, we could only afford to print the issues, et cetera, journal in black and red. And so <laughs> back in the day. So the default colors of the logo became black and red. I do not know where that logo came from. The, the original Those, one. The original one. Here it is. It's more, it had the old Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Burgundy. Yeah, that's what it was. It was black. It was kind of a cross with a starburst behind it. And then, so we went thinking, looking for a logo. And I believe the one that we currently use, the microphone with the cross shadow, was dreamt up by our friend Chris Rosebro. I think he made that one for us. He had a couple that we looked at, and that was the one that struck us as it kind of said what we wanted it to say, which is radio and podcasting, and then what the content is, Christ crucified. So that said everything we wanted to. The red and the black for the lettering, I think I came up with that. If I recall, I think I came up with how we were going to do the the lettering on the actual name itself, issues, et cetera. But it's been so many years. I think I just took what we've been using before and kind of punched it up a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the kudos goes to Chris Rosebro. Yeah. I've talked to people that know this oh, yeah. stuff way better than Graphic I do. Graphic artists. And, and they say, that thing, who did that? And I said, trust me, it wasn't us. No. So we've had that for years. We're still using the same image he sent to us years and years ago. I guess that kind of technically means the, the logo belongs to him. Although he'd say, no, it's yours. If right. I know Chris. Well, that's how many years ago? That was 15 years ago. 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Right? 2008. Yeah. Anna, thank you for this great series, Kids Have Questions. After previewing the first episode, we knew our 11 and 13-year-old children would appreciate it. A school assignment was the perfect prompt to share the podcast with our 16-year-old, and despite his initial assumption that the series was pitched to the under-10 age group, he found it valuable and asked for a link to the rest of the series. This is high praise. Trust me. I have five kids. You got a teenager saying that, that's high praise. There are many series that I automatically download to the front of my podcast queue, such as Pastor Wolf Miller's Things I Wish My Non-Lutheran Family Members Knew. And I'm glad to have another. Please share our thanks with Pastor Connor. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for listening, Anna. Yeah, he's a real talent. Jeff and I communicate back and forth during interviews and via Slack and... <laughs> There are times when I am interviewing Jonathan Connor and I'm just amazed. It takes a lot to amaze me. I've been doing this for a very long time and I've talked with some very talented and skilled people. And Jonathan Connor's an excellent teacher, an excellent teacher. He gave an answer. What was the answer that he gave the other day? I walked into your office and I said that was the best answer on that subject. Suicide. Suicide that I've heard. And I'd heard the, I knew what he was going to say because I've heard the answer before from other pastors. It was nothing new, but he delivered it in a way that was succinct. It made the two points. Suicide is akin and tantamount to murder, but we cannot say that all suicides suffer eternal punishment because your eternal disposition is not based on 
what you were doing when you died. Now, he said a lot more than that, but those two points alone are something you can carry around in your pocket. And that's what makes him an excellent teacher. And per Anna's email, you can listen to the entire series if you've missed any at issuesetc.org slash kids have questions. Another page recently that we put together a series was issuesetc.org battle for the Bible, our series on a retrospective on the Lutheran battle for the Bible. That's a great series too. Oh yeah, I've learned a lot from that one. Jack, I love the series on Concordia University, Texas, declaring their so-called independence. Tom Halverson gives great detail. Even a layman like me can understand. Thanks for the series. And as always, Pastor Wilkin, for his interview skills. It's so seldom that a host actually asks good questions and lets the guests speak. It is his strength, and I know that he has said he is a good listener. That is a gift that few have. And I very much appreciate the Objections Overruled audiobooks. It's a great help to me. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for listening, Jack. I'll only correct one thing, because if my my wife heard someone say, Todd's a good listener, she would fall out of her chair laughing, because I'm not a good listener. What I do say is people think I talk for a living. I don't. I listen for a living. That's what I do. Uh, I listen for a living and, and, and just ask simple questions. So, but the listening part, hearing everything that everybody says, not so much, not so much. Ask my wife how well I listen. When we come back, it's time to go to Pastor Tom Baker and teach a Sunday school lesson. We'll be in 1 Samuel 17 and jumping around a little bit in that chapter to tell the story of David and Goliath. There are at least two ways to see the Messiah's presence in the Old Testament. The chief would be the Lord's messenger. Dr. Reed Lessing, co-author of the Issues Etc., a book of the month for September, The Messianic Message, Predictions, Patterns, and the Presence of Jesus in the Old Testament. The second way we see the presence of Jesus in the Old Testament would be through God's glory. Learn more about the Messianic Message at issuesetc.org. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. The Biblical Worldview Conference is Saturday, November 4th in Chicago. This year's theme is, For Such a Time as This, Discernment, Boldness, and Compassion. Brian Wolfmiller, John Bombaro, and others will be speaking on gender-solid parenting, wokeism in schools, transgender pronouns, and sharing Christ in a woke culture. For more information, visit worldviewchicago.org. The Biblical Worldview Conference, November 4th in Chicago, worldviewchicago.org. 
Pumpkin spice flavoured everything is in the air. It's the perfect time of year to curl up with a nice warm beverage using one of Ad Crusom's mugs, featuring your favourite Lutheran symbols, Bible verses, or Christian humour. For example, Jesus' personality type is INRI. Saint Paul is the patron saint of the run on sentence. And of course, chancel culture is practised here. Visit adcrusom.com. That's A D C R U C E M.com. Equipping the priesthood of all believers, you're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Augustana Lutheran, Moscow, Idaho. Emmanuel Lutheran, Green River, Wyoming. Grace Lutheran, Henderson, Nevada. Emmanuel Lutheran, Holloway, Minnesota. Messiah Lutheran, Seattle, Washington. Pacific Hills Lutheran, Omaha, Nebraska. Redeemer Lutheran, St. Cloud, Minnesota. St. John Lutheran, Rosemount, Minnesota, St. Paul Lutheran, Phoenix, Arizona, and Trinity Lutheran, Scottsboro, Alabama. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal.